the wake of COVID-19, the arts community is facing many unknowns. Creatives are losing income, organizations are canceling events, and the arts world as we know it is shifting in form. This is Makeshift, a podcast where artists share their stories, their advice, and how they've navigated the ups and downs of their practice through unprecedented challenges. I'm Isabel, your host. Thanks for listening today. What's up, Shelby? Oh, you know. <laughs> Just so, in a house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as am I. So Shelby is currently a student, writer, and musician. So a jack of all trades, if you will, in the <laughs> arts world. Um, but yeah, so I've known you for a couple of years now, and I feel like whenever I see you, we always end up in some kind of engaging political dialogue. So naturally, I thought you would be the perfect person to talk to me about the intersection of art and capitalism. Exciting oh, topic. Absolutely. Really glad that it's engaging and not absolutely uh, uh, berating. <laughs> not like, I'm just a party just like verbally with her opinions (laughs) not at all not at all um but before we get into all of that fun stuff um do you want to just tell me a little bit more about your art and what kind of things you've got going on right now oh sure um yeah I mean I have I really like to try and do like a lot of different uh projects i'm so bad at talking today (laughs) but basically yeah um right now i recently am working on like a book of poetry i started a lot in the seattle scene doing poetry and i'm kind of going back to that after diving into music for a little bit i started as like a like (laughs) i would just do like poetry readings not like slam or anything but like going to readings and then um uh a lot of my poetry then kind of translated into music um, I started working with a couple of musicians that have been around Seattle for a while, um, just doing like, um, I was in a band for a second, um, and we did kind of like bossa indie rock kind of stuff, and then my poetry is like, I focus a lot on like profanity and the use of, um, the use of things that like we normally shy away from, and being kind of raw, but um, but exploring those topics which don't end up get getting to be explored beyond the fact that they are profane mm-hmm. um so that's a lot of the poetry and stuff and then you know um music here um some art here and there all that kind of stuff um and yeah <laughs> that's really cool it sounds like you've been I mean I know you and you've been at this for a while now so it's really cool to see you like developing into the artist you are today and I'm really excited for everything you've got going on thanks it's been really it's been really really cool to like um to like think of yourself as like someone who likes art or appreciates art or like has some kind of you know affinity for for creative pursuits and then looking back and being like but I do those things yeah it's it's wild to me every day and it's really really cool and I'm not even like doing anything that's like quote unquote of note but like we'll talk about that (laughs) yeah the the idea the idea of like making things and being like and I have this thing that's available for you to buy I don't have a lot of that but I looking back I am like I do I do a lot whether or not it's the it's in the public eye (laughs) right I think it's it's definitely hard to think about art 
from kind of the perspective that we have politically and thinking about that. I feel like there's a line that Uh sometimes you have to decide whether to cross or not like a divide between what is going to sell and what art you actually want to be making. Do you ever feel that kind of conflict or do you think the two kind of correspond directly in the work that you do? I feel such a conflict. I feel such a conflict simply because like, but it's, so like the bit it's that's such a relevant conversation to what I'm working on right now as well, which is so funny. Um, cause I'm writing this book and I'm in a, I'm in a book writing class. Like I'm in like a fiction, the long form class. So it's not like I'm writing a book. Be please be impressed by me. It's like, no, I'm being assigned to write a book, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I'm writing it in the second person. So it's like you, 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 you know, Whoa. and I have like a very specific reason for why I'm writing it in the you, because I'm like, the character is a very like unhinged person. And if you read a book that's actually, you can get the sense that they're trying to talk in the first person, but you can get so much closer to the character if it's dissociated. If you can say much more intense and intimate things when the character is kind of further away from saying in like an I statement, especially in quarantine writing, like being like, I'm sick of me. I'm sick of writing about I, 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 like I want to be outside of myself. However, that's like a famously hard sell to anybody who would want to publish a book. Um, because it's one of those things where publishers look at it and you will most of the time get the note back of like, we might like the book, but can you change it to first person? Because readers will be confused. It's kind of like it's dumbing down audiences a little bit and being like, they get tired and confused of the you. So, <laughs> yeah. so why don't you write it in like a normal, like I, but it underlines or undermines the story so much for so many people who have written in, in a you statement um, my um, advisor was just talking about like a book by I.J. Capstein or Capstein, who was like, it was the first person to write in the second person. It's like called The Song of Summer Evening Sings. Mm-hmm. You cannot find it anywhere. Like, <laughs> like whatever. And But he said that, and he knew the author. And so he was talking about how like <laughs> he couldn't find someone to publish it. And like, obviously you can't find a copy of it now. So like, what does that say about those things, about how we how we are writing for you can write all you want in your like your dream world and like I can write my my dream project but being able to monetize that dream project which isn't necessarily the point of art but for books it's kind of like you write a book and you hope that someone reads it Mm -hmm. so it's not like I'm trying to get like tons and tons of money but also like the objective is to like get is to like share with a certain amount of people Mm -hmm. or like because I don't know, writing is meant to be experienced, although that could be like a very like egotistical way of thinking about it. Cause like <laughs> yeah. maybe some people are like, I write for me and that's nice for them, but I'm a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because it doesn't always have to be about the money, but sometimes the money and the exposure are directly related. Right. And it's like, listen, it's like, it's like, I love, I love my underground artist, but it looks like John Green's living a fine life <laughs> with all that money he's got. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like, is that the goal now to just <laughs> to live Green. like John Green? To be Twitter canceled every other year. He just cranked out a couple of... How much they don't like him. <laughs> he just cranked out a couple of winners and he's good to go. Kind of, dude, for real. He cranked out a couple of winners and then a couple years later, everyone was like, <laughs> um... 
do we like those winners? I think that we should probably all rebel against the things that we all love because that makes us different people now. Right. And if I, I mean, cancel you, that means that I'm not canceled. I feel like I just want to ask him what if you could do what you want to do. Like, I guess he can now, but like, what is the book that he actually wants to write? Dude, I think he's writing the books he wants to write, and I think that that's possibly, like, the public's problem with him is, like, it's, like, a taste issue, I guess. Because, like, it's a, it's a, he wrote a book, <laughs> um, and he writes from the perspective, he's written, like, two books from the perspective of teenage girls, which is a really interesting choice. Right. Not because, like, not because, like, you can't write about something that you aren't. It's just, like, often it's really hard to have so much not only empathy but like knowledge about another person's life experience because we have such borders in the world Mm -hmm. like it's not because like white men are like inherently awful that they can't write about young women it just so happens that when they tend to write about young women the boundaries of our society that have lifted them so high and like given them so much privilege they seriously can't even fathom how many places that it comes into play right and it's just so, creepy. Yeah, so he's just writing. Yeah, and then he wrote The Fault in Our... I feel like I'm, like, shit-talking John Green. That's okay. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote The Fault in Our Star. I think I'm more... Like, I don't really... Because I don't even have, like, a hatred for him. I'm just... it's. I'm just thinking about him in an abstract concept. As, like, he wrote The Fault in Our Stars after he had a friendship with a girl who had cancer. Mm-hmm. And he, he worked as a children's chaplain once in a cancer hospital. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. And so, like technical and he's like very similar in certain ways to augustus waters who is like the love interest of right the girl i'm explaining this to like a person who's 22 years old so like i know that's probably just like a cultural touchstone that we all know who augustus waters is what, no thank you thank you for clarifying in. i do know i'm i'm familiar with augustus waters <laughs> on a deeper level but i think anyone, <laughs> listen you put the killing thing between your teeth but you don't let it do its killing Maybe that's what I should do. I should put capitalism between my teeth and then it won't let it do its killing. But how do we put capitalism between our teeth teeth. is the question (laughs) of the hour. (laughs) Do we want to put cap? Where's capitalism been? You don't know where that's been. What do you you need to think about what we're putting in our mouths? Oh, it's been everywhere, Shelby. I love how deep we're going into this metaphor. I know. It's, it's, It's been everywhere. But I feel like that kind of takes us back to the topic of capitalism and productivity, which is specifically kind of what I want to talk to you about. Uh-huh. I remember you posting something recently on social media about like experiencing writer's block and kind oh, of yeah. calling attention to this pressure of feeling productive while in quarantine, which I've also been seeing all over the media in general. And then, but you kind of pointed out in a way that made me think about it a little bit deeper, um, a little bit more deeply Mm-hmm. So what has been your experience with your art making during this time and kind of navigating, navigating that? Yeah. The, yeah. One of the, the things about quarantine that I've been talking about, especially with my roommates, is that like the wherever you were in the world got put on pause. And all of us are feeling this weird influx kind of like we're in this liminal space because because it's almost like it's almost like like someone like did a freeze frame and all of us are like stuck in place like mid like mid step down the sidewalk um yeah so I was stuck in the place of like I had just finished a manuscript 
for a poetry book and it was like one of the one of the more clear and concise um concepts I'd ever had for a poetry book I had executed enough to have a full draft of like 30 to 40 pages which is like the most I've done in forever because it used to be that I wrote like one or two poems every couple of months via some kind of inspiration I was like a very like I'll let the inspiration come to me writer but like then I sort of transitioned to being like a bit of a career writer which is like cool and also uh scary (laughs) um and so I had this thing where like you get this sort of like post it's like it's almost like a post coital downfall (laughs) when you're like you know when you're just like you because you have that like high high of like I've written this thing it's really great and then you're like you get the low of like I will never do anything again yeah and then we were also put into quarantine so I was like I wasn't going out I wasn't talking to people experiencing people and so much of my work is based in like I love the feeling I love cutting to the feeling but like my own feelings and just writing about my own feelings would get so boring so I'm so interested in like the world around me but without that I was like kind of stuck with only me because I'm not super not to like put myself down or anything but I think I'm just being real imagination I am lacking (laughs) I'm not like I'm not a fantasy writer I'm not like and then we lived in a city that was simply made of trees and my (laughs) and then my fairy friend Dothraki comes to me and you know what I mean like (laughs) yeah yeah. exactly so I'm I'm not I like don't have like the imagination of like like the 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 childlike wonder of a fantasy writer so I'm like I was so stagnated and then when you're a creative person you're by definition like a narcissist and so like I was like if I can't create art then who am I (laughs) right I was like having like a huge a huge identity crisis because I saw the 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 social media is both a great thing and an awful thing because it's like the great thing about it is that I'm seeing all of these other people who are also experiencing writer's block but then you're also seeing people who are like because I've been stuck inside I've had time to read all day and I've just been really inspired to like do this and do that and you're like how how wouldn't that be nice yeah every time I sit down to like do something I just like spiral into this like like why am I making like like I can like try and paint or something like that but at, at this point I'm like I'm having that stupid existential like why am I painting you know there are people out there like like I'm like I got laid off like there's so much more that's right. happening around our world our world is crumbling like our 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 government's not being able to handle a pandemic our economy is at risk because people are like you know what I mean yeah exactly and I feel like there are so many other people out there experiencing the same thing in particular to this topic artists um yeah. I mean artists rely on this kind of freelance gig economy in many ways and oh, now yeah. those resources are being taken away and I, I felt really frustrated recently just seeing kind of this implication of shouldn't you be taking up a new hobby or if you're an oh, artist, like, shouldn't you, yeah, shouldn't you be creating something since you're an artist? And I just, I'm frustrated with this because I feel like there are people who don't necessarily have the capacity to be making art right now or being productive at all. And I actually... <laughs> I read this um, article on Vox and the title is literally, I tried to write an essay about productivity in quarantine. It took me a month to do it. That's so funny. I know. I loved it. And I think, but it pointed out that this notion that when you really want to produce something and can't do it immediately, the failure feels just monumental. And I, I definitely resonated with that. And I think, and it, it got me thinking a little bit more about how this mindset goes back 
to our society's obsession with productivity and how we organize our time. Like yeah. the idea of the nine to five work week is time oriented and how much can we accomplish within this time frame? And I feel like that's been kind of translated to quarantine. It's like how much it's kind of a competition with ourselves and with okay. other people. Like how much can we get done during this time at home when really we're all kind of coping with it in different ways? Yeah. And like it, you can see it, this is predated quarantine too. Cause you could see it in like hustle culture mm-hmm. of like, which like obviously has other connotations because like, I think hustle is like African-American vernacular. So like, like, not to be like a privileged person who's like judging people who like have to work twice as hard mm-hmm. um because our society is like super racist but there's but like that gets appropriated by like these like teens on twitter who are like you know it's that it's the meme of like i bought my dream home at like 21 and like i have this wife and like if you're you're not young you're lazy you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff it predated quarantine and then now that we're in quarantine people with like no concept of of a, of a separate creative process than their own because if you're like a if you're like a super internalized person in general or you prefer to spend most of your time at home reading and then that's how you get your inspiration you're thriving right now you're doing good um, right yeah but but there's a lack of empathy for for anybody else and the 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 absolute like it's you're it's exactly what you're saying there's such a emphasis on productivity but like even when you're an artist you know, there's that emphasis, but a lot of people don't point out that that's kind of ingrained in our society as a capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. It's like the reason you feel bad is because you're told that you have no worth unless you can contribute to, you know, the, the whole of of a economy that ultimately does not benefit you. Exactly. I feel like we've been trained to think that every part of our lives has to be pointed towards this idea of like self-improvement and like bringing yourself up by your bootstraps and overcoming but it's like you know I feel like there's the question to be asked what if you don't have boots or what if you know what if you're not doing well mental health wise it's like everyone has different starting points in this process and like you said there are some people who are doing great who love to read and love to create and are doing it for fun and then there are some people who are experiencing that like crippling impact of the pandemic and unable to do so right now. And I think people need to stop emphasizing and celebrating that kind of culture that is run by capitalism in a sense. Yeah. I mean, and it also, it must be said, does not necessarily lend itself to fantastic art. Yeah. It like, like the amount of like quarantine content that is now being, I mean, like, it's literally there's like quarantine ads you know what i mean where these ad come where like whoever is doing the ads for certain products you're then changing their ads to be quarantined to be like stay at like you can tell they're re-edited to say stay at home you know yeah instead of like instead of like buy a verizon like package they're like buy a verizon package so you can call your loved ones from your house you know what i mean exactly it's like it's to art because it's like photography there's all these people who are like, I'm a photographer, stay at home. And then they have like, they keep posting content because if they don't post content, then their engagement's going to get down. Mm-hmm. If their engagement's down, then like their personalized economy is going to be ruined, essentially. Like, how do you make, continue to make content? We're in a content world. You know I mean? <laughs> yes. Everything is content from like, God, like 
the live streams, the IGTV stories, the like, you know, videos, it's everything. I know. I feel like how much more can our time be commodified? It's like we already spend a certain amount of time in that nine to five work week where we dedicate literally our time to working. And then the other half of our time, you know, as can be said in Marxist theory is basically preparing ourselves for the next time we're going to be working. And then the quarant- um like the stay at home order comes in and takes away that nine to five work week, but somehow like, the media and consumerism is still commodifying our time yeah. in quarantine. We just can't get away from it. It's it's a hundred. I mean, every bit of your time and even the content that you don't mean to be creating. And by that, I mean, like the other day I got an ad on my phone that was for a dress that my roommate and I had looked for on her laptop, but we've been, stuck inside so like your phones which are like listening obviously like facebook and all that kind of stuff like they we know this by now you they're getting way more data about people because like the you're you're at home right you're giving them you're you're they're come on they're making money off of this bro <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely I, zoom and and facebook and twitter and everyone probably is making a ton of money because we're all using their platforms like i don't know twice as much three times as much um and it really is your time. It's your screen time. It's your daily usage time. It's yeah. being but it's interesting, though, too, because, like, that's how there are artists who work within those mediums who have to, like, I remember I was watching this, like, it's a TV show on Netflix called Abstract. And one of the episodes was, like, highlighting the guy who was, like, the graphic designer for Instagram. And he realized that, like, his graphic design, the art he did, like, the work he did, whether or not you want to say, like, you know, app graphic design as art or whatever we can argue about that for days i'm sure Mm -hmm. um like he had to decide whether or not to do infinite scroll or not infinite scroll and he knew that was going to change the platform a hundred percent because he's like morally do i want to be responsible for people spending hours and hours and hours on this website yeah exactly um but i kind of wanted to just bring it back to the idea of creativity for this Mm -hmm. last kind of big question I feel like I've been thinking through this about some kind of alternative creativity that can counter the creativity that capitalism claims it possesses. Mm-hmm. And I think I just wanted to ask, what do you think we can do to resist the co-option of capitalism through art making and seek out mm-hmm. others doing the same? Yeah. I think that one of the big, like one of the big roads to to the, the, on the road to help there must be acceptance and like the first step is accepting that there's a problem um but also like accepting that that problem's always going to be there so like i can sit here and like be like man john green jk rowling like nah like i can uh, complain about like big capitalist like capitalist fiction or like pop fiction but like there's always going to be books that i find that i love and it's just like Focusing way more energy on finding what on finding what you believe to be good or genuine art, right? Mm-hmm. And like exploring local scenes, I've found like one of the things that I find that I always find wild, especially as a musician, is that like for a really long time I was a music fan, but I was a music fan that was only consuming music that was on on TV, um, on you know in movies that I watched, 
Um, it was being sold to me by Disney Channel. And then when I when I moved to Seattle, and even a little bit before that, like at the end of high school, I realized that like music was actively being created around me. And like I could like like new music or like like music that was being made but not necessarily sold to me. Mm-hmm. It was just being played around me. Um and like once you kind of like it's it's a crazy thing to just like switch that part of your brain off to being asked to being fed the things that you want and actively seeking out the things that you want, if that makes sense. Which sounds super pretentious, but it's also just like I just I I found people who are playing music and I found people who are making art and writing. And then I dove deeper into that. I mean, especially in this, in this economy, um, (laughs) (laughs) like connecting yourself to your local scene, especially with what you want to do, or if you're not super into like being a part of the scene or creating there, just consuming the art, like you can still be a, a, a spectator, a voyeur and a, and a patron of local art shows, local music shows, finding out what's happening in your local community, like, all of that's super possible and obviously variant based upon where you are. I'm speaking from a person who like lives in Seattle and is privy to where all of these like very liberal and like, like let's face it, like super white um, spaces are being created because they're ample to me through like social media presence and like clout culture, which is both like helping and hindering me as a person. Right. Yeah. I like I like what you said and I think that it's definitely relevant right now and I appreciate your advice to just kind of consume the art that you want to be consuming as opposed to art that's being sold to you and I think that in a few words is that kind of alternative creativity and also consumption of creativity. Yeah, it it's such a it's such a it's, it's so ingrained in us to not think about that like I think to myself a lot like I get like this like almost secondhand anxiety about like what if I had just not realized that too because the fact that I even realized that was such a stroke of luck and like the the place that I'm in right now has the like has a lot to do with like just simple like if if I hadn't seen that my life would be my life would be different I might be like trying to get on the voice right now you know what I mean (laughs) yeah like that's that's honestly like the, the other path is that is the commodified path but it's it's not the worst path i mean obviously people feel i'm sure that there are artists who have been on the voice or like done big like freaking uh kelly clarkson on american idol mm-hmm. i'm sure that she's done i'm sure she is doing the music that she wants to do mm-hmm. and she feels like it's genuine and real and that is what being a musician is right but like duality duality so exists and in my in in, in my preferred <laughs> in my preferred uh, spectrum, in my preferred paradigm, it's just, I've just, like, turned over my shoulder a little bit and, and, like, looked at what's around me and been like, oh, my God, I'm, like, it feels like an awakening, but also, like, calling it an awakening sounds super pretentious, and, like, I'm, like, "Mm, my awakening, like, I am, I've reached a level of, of, uh, of my God mind. Me and my huge God mind know how to do art. (laughs) Yes, well, Thank you for making the art that you make and for coming on to talk to me today. Yeah, no problem. Um, so much fun. I know. But before we head out, I just want to give you the opportunity to share um, where we can 
find your work or look out for work in the future, what you've got coming up? Hell yeah. Um, I have a lot of work coming in the future um, via my mentality of not putting things on the grid immediately. <laughs> yes. Um, which is both helping and hindering me as a person because I don't have a link to share with people. But I do indeed um, have like an Instagram. It's like dad out for SIG. Love um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll link it. I'll link it to this podcast. Oh my god, we an influencer. We're influencers. <laughs> We're on a podcast. Shout out podcast. to Dad for Sig. Oh my god. Um, and who are some other people we should be checking out right now that are also participating in alternative creativity? Oh my god, so many. I would definitely look out for. Um, it's at C O L L three, um, Cole. Um, Maya is a artist and a musician, and they're doing really cool like prints. Um, they're a really great person to look out for. At Q Make Stuff is um, my lovely best friend Quincy, who makes um, prints as well, and also does um, a lot of like sculpture and like physical art. She's just like she. That's really a jack of all trades right there is if you're doing like uh, anyway and then um peter campanelli is someone who, for, to look up on Bandcamp who just released an album um and it's really good and all of those people are like very very like i hold them in such high regard and they're like based right here in seattle and they're all doing such cool cool work and if you find a way to monetarily support any of them like please do yeah and also look out look out for who they're following and who they're putting up on social media there's always especially like poc i'll put desventure in there as well like a beautiful beautiful lady doing beautiful things yes. i love her music i love her music so much but yeah that's i could go on forever so you can stop me <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that um and thanks again i could literally talk to you forever about oh. all of this um it's I always always a pleasure Once again, thank you so much for listening to Makeshift. My name is Isabel and I will see y'all on the next episode.